Welcome to the Gastroenteritis Blues live on Locker Room. Uh, I am joined, as always, by Dan Volpone and Emily Cannell. Uh, I'm going to give this first to Dan. Uh, I'm going to present you with a quote, and I want you to tell me who said the quote and who the quote is about. Okay? Blank makes known he would consider his relationship with blank wholesome, but not cute. Hmm. Wholesome, but not cute. This is such I know a, the answer. It's, Emily, what? I know the answer. Oh, you know it. Okay. I feel like this is from today. Is this? Is it said by Embiid? This is not from today. Oh, well then it might not be said by Embiid. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to take a guess and say... I just would really like it to be... Tobias Harris and Boban Marjanovic. You were very close. You went one out of two. Emily, do you want to tell him who the quote was about? It's Tobias Harris about his relationship with Tyrese Maxey. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. She said it to Lauren Rosen in their little one-on-one. It's very cute. She called it cute, and he said, eh, it's not cute. It's like maybe wholesome, <laughs> and he was like, okay, wholesome. I'll take wholesome. That's great. That's, uh, that's really good. I, uh, I'm glad that we started that way. Uh, the Sixers have uh, one more game to win to become the clinched number one seed in the East. Uh, most recently, they played against the Pacers and lost the game, a frustrating game. Uh, this was a game without Joel Embiid, who uh, missed the game with a non-COVID illness. They're very specific about that. It is not COVID. Um, and it, for which he is also questionable for tonight's game as we sit here right now, 2 o'clock Eastern time, before the game against the Heat. Uh, Emily, what was your reaction to that game against the Pacers? Were you frustrated by it? Um, you know, the Sixers had won eight straight going into that, but certainly the fans were excited to sew up the one seed. So how did you feel? Yeah, it was a frustrating loss, especially because they had built up quite a lead in like the first, quarter they had a really good like first quarter first half and then the second half they just decided to stop playing basketball correctly right um so that was the frustrating part of it I wasn't like there was a lot of hype going into that game to soap the one seed but I wasn't like so disheartened by them not clinching it that game like we still have three games two of them are against the magic I'm not really concerned about not clinching the one seed um, at some point over the next three games, hopefully tonight. But the the lack of offense in the second half, I think, is what was the most frustrating um, thing about that game. Yeah, I think the Sixers scored 32 points in the second half. And uh, I remember watching the first half, I was like, oh, they're just going to blow Indiana out. Like, I was so sure that they were just going to run away with this win and that it would be sort of all done. But uh, you know, the Pacers were super shorthanded, too, and they stayed in it. The Sixers were missing uh, not only Embiid, but also Shake Milton and Furkan and Matisse Thibel. Um So, Dan, what about you? Uh, tell me about your immediate reaction and your reaction watching the game. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely very frustrating. I think they scored, what, like two points in the last five minutes and 26 seconds or something, and they were Tobias Harris foul shots with like a minute left. Right. Uh, 
it was bad. They scored more points in the first quarter than the entire second half. Um, I was very frustrated. Um, no, I, I don't have any concerns about them not clinching the one seed or anything like that. Um, and, and of course, they've been playing very well. But every time teams decide to just pack the paint against the Sixers, it makes me a little nervous because I do think, and of course, Embiid's out, guys were out, but the Pacers stink. So I guess, you know, call it a wash. Um, but, you know, it worries me that teams are going to defend them more like that in the playoffs because I think it works well. And I think teams don't want to do it in the regular season. But I think we're going to see more of it like from now on, basically, um, as we get into games that really matter. Um, and I think that was a game that really mattered for the Pacers, which is why they did it. They just And the Sixers couldn't score on it. We've seen them struggle to score in that kind of situation before. So it's, it's a slight concern in Miami. I'm not, you know, acting like that, you know, second half is everything. But it, it was very frustrating to watch. Um, but, you know, to put a, a somewhat of a positive spin on it, I think it'd be more fun to clinch the one seed against the Heat than it would have been against the Pacers. Definitely. Uh, so, you know, if hopefully Embiid could play tonight, hopefully we pull off a nice win. Um, and that would be, I think it would feel even more satisfying if, if we did it against, you know, tonight's opponent. So, uh, yes, I agree with that. Uh, my worry with not winning the Indiana game is that the Heat are tough to play on the road. And if they lose this one, it will sort of, make it feel a little bit worse heading into the playoffs. Um, you know, like to do that without beating either of those sort of real teams and having to just beat the Magic, would you be disappointed? I mean, I don't think it would be smart to have it be any like grand indictment on the season, but uh, I would be pretty disappointed to to see that happen. So what do you think, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I guess it would be, it would be disappointing in some way, but I mean, like... I don't know how much it matters. You know, yeah. I guess there's something to be said about like, you know, you want to go into the playoffs on a good note, which the Sixers generally have been on. I don't think the Pacers loss means they're not on a, on any kind of high, especially because Embiid was out. If they're able to win tonight, hopefully they can beat her twice. And, you know, then you're going in winning, what is that, like 11 to 12 or something. So yeah, I don't think it's super worrisome or anything. Um, if they don't win tonight, yeah, I'd be a little disappointed just because I want to beat the Heat. You know, they're a team that, we might play in the second round. That's looking more likely than it was last time we talked. Um, and, you know, and, and just, you know, the fact that, you know, I think that the Heat care about playing the Sixers. I think that, you know, Jimmy Butler especially is, you know, doesn't love the organization and, and likes to beat us. And and I obviously wish he was still here, but it's satisfying when, you know, the one time we beat him since he left, since he left. <laughs> That one game, I was actually at that game. This is like the last game I've been at. It was a lot of fun. Um, Didn't but, Josh Richardson hit like six threes in that game? Yeah, he was unreal. It was awesome. Yeah. That was the uh, that was the Mike Scott Hive tailgate game. It was a very good time. Um, but yeah, I think in that sense, it's a little bit disappointing. But definitely nothing to worry about. I think especially if MB can't play tonight. It's like the Sixers just all season have kind of sucked with any of even if it's just one of them Embiid, Ben, Tobias they really struggle in those games and of course Embiid being the most important so you know you definitely can't make a big deal out of it especially because this is a huge game for the Heat to win and um, you know to try to hang on to that five seed I'm sure the Heat would would rather play us than have to play Brooklyn and Milwaukee so um, you know I think that in that sense it's a it's a big deal for them but um it would be great to win tonight. Like, like I said earlier, I think this would be the, 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 you know, of the four games we had left, this would be the most fun one to clinch the one seat on. Emily, do you think that you would be particularly disappointed if the Sixers 
lost to Miami and then ended up having to just do it against the Magic? Or do you basically not care as long as they get one of these wins and stay healthy? Yeah, I don't really care as long as they get one of the wins, although it would be kind of disappointing to lose to the Heat if Joel plays tonight. Um, I just saw that we also have to play Tony Brothers tonight, so that makes it a little more difficult. That's really tough. Um, So it's like it's like six on five all night long. <laughs> um, so that'll be fun. But I, I mean, if Joel's playing, I think that if the one seed could be ours tonight, I, I, and I think he will want to play in this game. So, um, hopefully he, he's feeling good and he's playing tonight. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, one of the big things just to wrap up the Indiana game was sort of the, the, you know, dichotomy of Ben Simmons, where in the first half he was incredible and having a bunch of even half court dunks and uh, finding his teammates, he was playing great. Uh, and then the scoring really stopped for him in the second half, which I understand. I mean, teams are able to defend him differently when they don't have to worry about Embiid and they can wall off the paint. Um, but I'm wondering what level of nervousness do you have about Ben? you know, being there offensively in the playoffs. I have no concern whatsoever about his defense, but I don't think the Sixers can make it out of the East without Simmons asserting himself on offense. So Emily, where are you at with that? Like, do you feel fairly confident that he'll be there when they need him or are you nervous about it? I'm kind of confident that he'll be there because the problem with Ben's play to me is it seems to be like an effort inconsistency he's it's like he's not like a shooter where you know the shot's not falling there's really nothing you can do about it a lot of Ben's game seems to come down to like the amount of aggressiveness and that he's putting into his play so I'm hoping that in the playoff he playoffs he's just like up for every game and way more consistent because I think that's one of the biggest problems with his game is the lack of consistency in it and that's what's like very frustrating to fans yeah I think that uh that's that's why we've talked about this like whenever Ben has a bad stretch people think that he's hurt and I think it's because he takes no jump shots so it has to be running to the rim and like dunking or laying the ball up so uh people will extrapolate that to to think that you know there's something larger wrong dan uh where's your level of concern about ben in the playoffs like you know how how confident are you that he's going to provide enough of what they need and would you call him like the x factor i think x factor is fair which i i think you know that someone wrote about it i think on liberty ballers maybe it's you know weird to call it might have been dave it's weird to call a guy like that an X Factor, you know, a guy who's what, been an all-star the last three seasons. Um, you know, it's weird to say, like, will that guy be there on offense? Um, right. Uh, but I, I think it's it's a fair term. I do worry about it, but no, you know, no more than I, you know, I just kind of always have, you yeah. know, because we've seen against tough defenses, you know, they are not really scared of him going to the rim. They can play the passing lanes. Um, this is what good half-court defenses do. These are usually the type of teams you play in the playoffs. I guess Brooklyn's the very weird exception, but Milwaukee will be a team like that when they really lock down. Um, if if we have to play Milwaukee, if they if they happen to be Brooklyn, um, mm-hmm. I worry about it in that regard. And you know, I guess you know the counter argument is he hasn't played in the playoffs in two two years, and that's true. But you know, he was really taken out of that Toronto series on offense and. Mm-hmm. And there's really no arguing against that. I mean, he had 
of it was a seven game series. He had four games with ten points or fewer. They, they need more. They 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 need more from him than that. Um, and I don't I don't expect him to. I expect him to be better than that. But it's it's not just the scoring. You know, I think there is there's some argument that you know Ben's scoring is not the most important thing. But I still think offensive aggressiveness is pretty key. Like I would like him to score, but also, you know, end of that Pacers game, you know, he, he wasn't quite as effective finding guys, you know, um, when he loses that kind of aggressiveness, the shots aren't as easy for everyone. And um, I think, you know, being the only, and it's weird, he's not like a true point guard or anything, but the only capable, you know, somewhat ball handler creator in any way on this team. I mean, I love, you know, Maxi and, and Milton gives you a little bit, but, and, and I guess, you know, now that we have George, but he has, been, right. he has, I don't think been super impressive. And I like him. I'm glad we have him, but you know, Ben is really the only guy who can do this at a really strong, reliable level. So we will need that. Um, and it just kind of remains to be seen. Cause I don't think we're going to get, you know, I don't think we got answers in the regular season. I don't think something was thrown at him where you say, Oh, like that stopped him before. And he really, thrived against this time you know I don't think we're even going to see that kind of keying in on what he does best until the playoffs just like we haven't in years past so I'm I'm a little you know I'm kind of eager to see it you know I I don't want to me too I'm very excited for this team I don't want to you know get my hopes too high to the point where you know anything could be a disappointment like I don't want a finals loss to be a disappointment or something because they've had a great year I don't want to set myself up to end up like you know regretting this season but I'm so, for, you know, for, for some of those reasons, I have my reservations and, and this is, you know, one of them, but I, I'm not like convinced that they can't be better because talented guys tend to figure things out. I think, you know, Giannis is another guy who people look at and is like, he hasn't done anything in the playoffs and, and so is Ben and there's plenty of others. And I think, you know, I would bet on those guys eventually figuring it out. I don't know if it'll be this year, but yeah, I have, I have concerns, but I have some optimism, I guess, in a long answer. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I do think that the Sixers can win the title this year if everybody's healthy, but they can't do it without Simmons. So uh, I hope that uh, he plays at his peak powers when they need him the most. Uh, time for everybody's favorite time of the show. We're going to take a call here. Jabari, we are inviting you to speak. Love to hear what you have to say. Um, isn't in here just yet, but uh, I bet he's coming soon. Uh, Jabari, yeah, how here. are you, man? Hey, yes. All right. Um, you called me cocky heat man. <laughs> I called you what's this? But you can call me a, the cocky heat fan. <laughs> oh, you're a heat fan. I get it. Got it. So how have you felt about the heat this year? Uh, it's been up and down, but right now things are looking up. Uh, I just really want to have those two magical words to say. That, that puts fear in everybody in the Eastern Conference. Playoff Jim. Oh, I thought you were going to say Kelly Olynyk. Sorry, I guessed wrong. Um, no. Playoff Jim. He's gone. <laughs> Kelly's gone. Kelly's yeah. gone. You're, you're going to be playing shorthanded. Kelly's in Houston. He's in Kelly's Houston. in Houston. He was in the Oladipo um, trade. Um, Jabari, do you yeah. know, are, are you dying to get up into the 4-5, or would you be okay with seeing Milwaukee in the 6-3? I would rather be in the four or five. Yeah. Because you know Atlanta doesn't have any history. Yeah. Rather than five games. 
And what do you think about the Heat? What do you think about the Heat versus uh, the Sixers, who they could meet in the second round? How do you think that series would pan out? Hmm. <laughs> Are you going to tell me an irresponsible team going up against a team that doesn't have a true point guard? Hmm. I, I see some shenanigans that, and I've seen some of the defenses that he had played this year, and I think they would give Philly fits. You know what? We might find out. We might find out. And, go to the two-one-two press. Well, listen. If this series happens, I want to meet you right back here, and we'll we'll predict it together. And uh, this is the start of a beautiful friendship. Uh, Jabari, thank you for calling in, buddy. Thank you very much. All right, we're back on the show. On to the next piece of news. Gary Clark is now on the Sixers. He signed a two-way deal. Emily, your immediate reaction. Um, he is the same height as Karis LeVert. That's great. What came up when I Googled him. Great. Dan, anything on Gary Clark? He's probably better than Mike Scott, right? Has to be. Can't Has be to worse. Be. Has to be. Can't be. Um, so tonight the Sixers play the Heat. Uh, again, if the Sixers win, they have clinched the number one seed. Uh, we're waiting to see who all is going to play. I think Jimmy himself is uh, questionable. Uh, to play in this game. He got poked in the eye, I believe, and uh, we're not sure about Embiid. Uh, are there any, any other matchups? You know, uh, obviously, I think Ben guarding Jimmy would be probably the marquee matchup tonight. Emily, what do you think? What, what are you looking for in this game this evening? Um, there's not really any other matchups that I'm looking I would just like to watch, see if Jimmy, I just want, like, the full team. Like, I want a good game. Like we said, we've kind of been missing out on these, like, full strength games and it would since both teams are playing for something it would be kind of fun to have one here at the end of the season yeah I mean I don't know when the last big win was Dan do you have any idea when the last time the Sixers had like a big win meaning that the Sixers were healthy and the team they were playing is healthy I'm pretty sure there was one post all-star break but I honestly can't remember the the one that stands out is the Jazz game and the Lakers game from before um but the Jazz was before the – they wrote before the, the All-Star break. The Jazz game, I think, was the last game before the break. Um, right. I had one big win beforehand, but I can't really remember what it, what it was. I mean, they beat the Lakers. That was a big one. Um, they beat Boston, but even Boston was fairly shorthanded a couple times. So, uh, Dan, are you, what are you looking for tonight in the game against the Heat, and uh, how confident are you in the Sixers' win? Um, I'm excited to see Adebayo. Um, I kind of want to see what the Sixers do with him. Um, I think this is a huge game for the Heat. I, I expect them to play this like a playoff game, basically, because um, if you know they can't stay in that five, which I think they're at now. I think right now it's they're they're basically well, they were all tied. Then the Hawks won. I think the Hawks are the four, and the Heat are five, and have the tiebreaker over the Knicks at six. If you're in that, if you're in the six or seven, but seven's a play-in, so really six. If you're at six, you're solidified. To your path out of the East is going to be Bucks. If you win, you have to beat the Nets. If you win, you have to beat the Sixers. The, right. the, Heat, the Heat are going to have to play this like a playoff game because that's brutal. I mean, they're going to be so worn down if they're even able to get past any of those teams, which they won't be the favorite against any of them. Whereas if you're in the 4-5, you know, you're playing Hawks and then you're playing the Sixers, which is obviously tough, but you know, you're, then you'll probably play one of Brooklyn or... You're in Milwaukee if you can somehow right. get pictures, but you're only playing two out of the three instead of all three. Um, 
And I think there's something to be said about like getting some, uh, you know, a, an easier series, a quick series early. So I'm excited in that regard. Like I think, you know, they're going to come out playing hard and I just hope the Sixers can match it. Um, and I also, you know, I don't know if maybe if we see Simmons on ban a little bit, like especially if Embiid's out. I, 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 right, we definitely could. With regards to how confident I am, I think it basically hinges on Embiid and, and somewhat Matisse, you know, like I, if, if they both play, I feel great. Um, and I think it, it's a game that the Sixers will be up for, uh, you know, like really, really excited for. It's a national TV game. It's a potentially clinching the one seed against a, a really good team that you might play in the second round. Um, who was in the finals last year? But um, right. But if Embiid's out, I think it's going to be really tough. And if Embiid plays and Matisse is out, I still take the Sixers, but it's going to be a much tougher game. Matisse is huge for us, so we'll see. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we do have a speaker request here from Eric. Uh, Eric, Eric, we're going to throw you in here. And uh, how are you, Eric? What's going on? I'm good. Can you hear me? Yeah, man. How's it going? Awesome. Awesome. Uh, long time listener of the pod, so uh, appreciate you guys taking the time to talk. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So what how exactly are you feeling we talking about? about? The team th- how are you feeling no, about I'm kidding, uh, I'm kidding. I want to six- do that. <laughs> That's so funny. I was like, oh, my God, he's back. No, um, I wouldn't do that. Um, so I got a prediction for the night, and then I also have a uh, general pod question as well for you, for you all uh so prediction for tonight i know we have a back-to-back uh tomorrow with the orlando magic as well um i was looking last night on twitter and i see john clark tweet out that Embiid is not even in miami according to sources with the sixers mm. so that kind of i think that kind of sh- shows that Embiid might not be playing tonight and honestly it would make it hard I think for him to play in the game yeah if he's not there yeah and I'm kind of thinking we might just go a lot of reserves tonight. I think this game could get kind of ugly. Just like uh, I think it was Dan who was saying that, you know, this is a playoff game for the Heat. And, I mean, I just I feel like we're going to kind of take it easy tonight and come back tomorrow and just solidify that, that one seed. And you think that'll come down to, like, Embiid playing or not? Like, if he's not playing, they'll probably punt this game. And if he is playing, they'll give it a shot, right? I mean, I I, I really de- I I think it depends on how the first quarter goes. I mean, if they're if they're competitive, I think they're gonna or rather the first half. I think if they're competitive, I think they'll uh, you know they'll give it a go. But again, like you said, Miami, this is a playoff game for them at this point. I mean, the Sixers, yeah, want to solidify that one seed, but why not just wait till you're home and you know playing a very depleted and you know pretty much tanking Orlando Magic team and you know get get your reserves some minutes. Keep the starters healthy as much as possible when uh you know when you're going through a you don't you don't want to show all your cards if this is a team you got to play in the playoffs. So I agree. I think big picture you got to be careful about it and just make sure you get a win and stay healthy uh, for the start of the playoffs. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, you said you had something else. Yeah, quick question actually about the about podcasting in general. Um, sure. So I'm currently. Uh, going into my third and well my second to last semester at college right now um i know dan just i think graduated he said on the pod a couple weeks ago i think emily 
was in the middle of getting her master's or something. I forget exactly what she said. Um, so my question is for you is looking up to start, you know, I, I'm a media and communications major and I'm looking to really get into the whole sports uh, industry, whether it's sports radio, sports podcasting, all that stuff. And I was just curious of what would your advice be to somebody um, looking to get into that field? Wow. So uh, I guess I can start. I mean, I think that part of it is that it, it it's all become pretty easy with the way the internet works and the way people can record podcasts. And if you have a couple of buddies that you like to talk about the Sixers or, or sports with, you can start that today, you know, and just feel proactive and, and uh, work at it like that. I mean, the three of us, we write for Liberty Ballers. We all, I think, came there in different ways. Like I talked to Kevin Love and he you know, had me join about three years ago or so. And then our, my role has grown a little bit and, and, you know, helping with the podcast. But, you know, if you want, if you see yourself in, you know, sports, I think a lot of people start on the ground floor. You know, you go to WIP or 97.5 and uh, start someplace like that. Um, Emily, do you have any idea or any uh, advice here for Eric? Um, my only other advice, and it kind of goes off what Steve said, is just like, do it, like make a podcast, start writing, like whatever your medium is. If you want to be on, on like film, like start making YouTube videos just to get your stuff out there. People spend a lot of time on the internet watching, you know, stuff and you never know who's going to come across your, what you're making and your content and who's going to like it. So I would just say be creating content and, and sharing it with people so they can see it. Yeah, there, there's no like gatekeepers really right now, you know, like you can start your own thing and like hone your own voice and figure out how you like to talk about this stuff, whether it's on video or podcasts or in columns. Dan, what about you? Yeah, I think that's good advice. I mean, I've it's kind of weird because I feel like I've never like I, I'm definitely like not in this on like a career end. So it's kind of um, I guess I like I'm not necessarily the person to ask, but um one thing I found helpful in just like, you know, writing for Liberty Ballers was a goal for me um, when I was, you know, starting out writing. And I, I just kind of wrote, you know, I, I took a site that would take me, I joined a site that would take me without um, like any prior writing experience. And um, I wrote a little bit and then I had some, um, you know, some things to send out if I, um, you know, if someone asked me like, you know, what are some things you've written if I was, you know, looking to move somewhere else? Because I know that, you know, at least at Liberty Ballers, I think, you know, unless you are kind of familiar with with Kevin and have like had a relationship with him, that's something he, uh, I think, tends to ask about people who are looking to join so he can, you know, see what you've done. So I guess for a start, just do stuff. But as, as far as, you know, the actual like podcasting and radio stuff, I unfortunately uh, don't know too much about about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just talked to uh, Jake Fisher for a column uh, on Liberty Ballers, and Jake used to write for Liberty Ballers and, you know, Sports Illustrated and Bleacher Report, but he was telling me about how he was on a bunch of, like, little, tiny, like, Philly blogs before he did Liberty Ballers, and what you end up building up is sort of a portfolio and a group of, like, a whole sort of stack of things that you've written and that could translate to a new site. So, you know, I think the the key thing is really just to start and you'll find out what you like to do, but I'm sure you'll be great at it and you have to share us on, on whatever you start making. Yeah. Awesome. And also uh, one last little thing too. I know I'm always listening to the podcast. If you ever guys need an intern or something like that to do some work for you, you know, you're always, you know, scrambling oh sometimes God. for stuff. Let me know. I, I got you. 
Wow, Eric, this is, uh, I think that we might have our current intern, Dan, reach out to you after this. Oh, my that's... God. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, thanks so much for doing this, man. Yeah, it's you really guys nice take care. Go Sixers. Thanks, buddy. All right, so a few more things before we wrap up the show, about 15 minutes. Uh, I wanted to talk about the NBA awards. It it seemed like I've been listening to, like, national NBA podcasts, uh, and and – a lot of them are not – what the NBA did is that they made Joel Embiid eligible at forward so that he could be on the first team because he is at least the second best player in the NBA, if not the MVP. A lot of like NBA media people are being like, he doesn't play forward. I can't put him there. It doesn't matter if he actually plays forward. These aren't real teams. They don't have to play anyone. Emily, can you help me with why this is happening? Like – if you want to make Jokic first team center, totally fine. But in the other four spots, like Kevin O'Connor was saying that he needs to be mindful of his 13th player on the 13th. Kevin, what are we doing? Emily, help. I can't. I can't help because it's nonsensical. Number one, I don't know why we need to do positions. Like in first team, like just five best players, first team NBA, like all NBAs, you know, do it that way. Like it doesn't make sense. But the like, they made everyone knows that Joel isn't a forward. Right. Like the only reason his designation is there, like you said, is so he can be on the first team. You're gonna tell me you're gonna put the second best player to some in the NBA on the second team all NBA like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense, so I cannot help. Um Daryl Morey also told Kevin right. O'Connor that basically that he's stupid. Um not that I think Kevin's a great writer, but like this logic <laughs> is flawed. Right. And it's it's dumb. Yeah, so I don't – I mean, Dan, what do you think? I mean, it's very clear that the NBA gave Embiid this positional versatility, which makes no sense because he's never, ever a forward, just so that his season will be recognized in the right way. But it seems like the media are not going to do that because of the sanctity of what position he actually plays. Uh, what do you think, Dan? Why Why is this happening? You know, I was saying this earlier, and it's not more, really conspiracy. It's more of just like a me whining, but – I feel like the line is always drawn at whatever, whatever the Sixers do, you know, that's too far, you know, like that, you know, the Thunder can sit Horford for half the season, but you know, the Sixers have hinky forced out and they're throwing the Colangelo's on us. And <laughs> right. it comes to this. I feel like this is pretty ridiculous. And Daryl made this point as well when he was arguing in, in Kevin O'Connor's mentions on Twitter, but like, why should it arbitrarily be their defensive position? Like, right. Jokic basically plays point guard on offense. He's, you know, he doesn't have to actually play with Embiid. They don't, you know, he, he's not just a center. You know, you could argue, you know, the NBA is more position, positionless these days. And, you know, you can make the argument that that's not really the case with Embiid, right? Like Embiid is a true center. He plays center um, on both sides of the ball. But, you know, guys are eligible at positions they don't play all the time. I think Luka is eligible at forward and Luka is basically on the ball all the time. Um and Jokic is, is extremely ball dominant. He's a great passer. He runs the offense, runs through him. He's, he's like a, a pseudo point guard on that team. And the idea that, you know, he has to be the center and he can't be somewhere else. And, you know, if someone else can be put out of position because guards forwards, you know, if you're a tall guard, you're basically a forward in these people's eyes. And the, these people being, you know, the media who votes and have, you know, had issues with this, then why can't, you know, Joel play forward? He, I think, you know, 
I don't know if he's – has he played any minutes with Dwight this year? Maybe one? I don't know. Uh, um, yeah, there was an Atlanta game where the Sixers had a bunch of guys in COVID protocols, and there were like nine minutes that Joel played it forward this year. Right. There you go. So, like, if, if you could take these guys and you put them out of position – and the only logic, right? Like, the only logic to having these guys play a position they don't – or not play a position, but, like, be slotted at a position they don't play on the All-NBA team is because you could kind of see him fitting at that position, you know? Like, mm-hmm. oh, he doesn't play forward, but he's big. He could, you know? Like, I'm sorry. That's crap. We're not building a team for these guys to play together. That's not the point. It's not like <laughs> Joel and Jokic wouldn't fit. That's not the point. So if you right. could move them around to position, it's not if they could play it. If they haven't played it or they played it very little, just like Joel's played forward very little, or, you know, Jokic is technically the center and he's played – you know, guard very little. Like it's the same thing. They're you know they could be a forward and a center. I don't see any reason behind this other than that. You know, they need something to talk about, and they know it'll make us mad, and they know we'll read their stuff and get mad about it and share it. And they like <laughs> with us. That's all I got because it doesn't make any sense. You know, it's like uh, I, I obviously what this is heading towards is just pick pick 15 guys pick five for the first team five for the second team five for the third team and just have them be in the order that players were great that year you know uh do you either view you know the Sixers are first in the east will be first in the east whether it's today or by the end of the weekend very likely uh do you think the Sixers will have any other player on an all nba team uh because i i sort of doubt it and i don't think it would be you know a big injustice emily what do you think will, will the Sixers get another guy on the all NBA team? I don't think so. Um, yeah. All defense is another thing, obviously, but right. I would Which say we'll talk about all NBA. No, just, just Joel should be on the first team. All NBA. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Dan, what do you think? You think, I mean, it feels fair to me when you look at the rest of the league that Joel would be the only guy uh, on the all NBA, just given how up and down Ben's season was and, uh, you know, Tobias has been very good, but I don't think in that tier. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's 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 no way. Like, um, it, ha- it has to be just Joel. I mean, I agree. Like, not only he's deserving, but, you know, even you like we talked about this last pod, but like the ringer list, right? They made a top 25. Only Joel was on it. Right. And, you know, you could argue I, I personally wouldn't for this year. Um, mm-hmm. But you could argue that Ben is a top 25 player. I think that, you know, there's a very fair argument for that if he's top 25 in general. But He's not going to, you know, it's not like that list was so bad and, and that he was like, no, he's actually top 15. Like, even, right, right. Even guys who are probably not top 15 on that list are very deserving of being considered top 15 this season. Like, Randall's got to be all NBA. Julius Randall has to be on there. So, um, you know, you look at it and like, there's there's no way. There's there's no space. And I, I, I don't think it's really deserving anyway. Like, I don't think the Sixers have anyone who's like 16, 17, 18 even, where it's like, Oh man, if if these guys, you know, if Julius Randle wasn't have such a good year, and this, you know, the Jazz didn't have such a good record or whatever, that you have to have these guys on. I don't, I don't think that it's like, I, I, I think that it's basically like a no brainer to only have one six around that. All, yeah. So transitioning to the all defense team, uh, Simmons is certainly a shoe in on the first team. Um, what would you guess? Is it more likely that the Sixers get one person on the all-defense team? You know, they make two of them. Or do you think it's more likely that the Sixers get three? So, obviously, the people we're talking about is Ben Simmons, who's definitely on the first team, and then Matisse Seibel and Joel Embiid. Will they get it? So, Dan, if you had to say, is it more likely that the Sixers get one or three? 
I think it's more likely they get three. Um, mm. I, I don't see how... I mean, obviously, Ben's going to be all-defense first team, uh, deservedly so. I don't see how Matisse is left off. I think that you know he's very well-respected, and he absolutely merits being on that team. Um, and I think, you know, I think it's more likely that Joel gets on than Matisse gets left off. Um, yeah. And there's some great centers who have had great defensive years, but I, I think it's, I do think it's more likely that, that Joel would make it than I, I'm, I, I feel pretty Matisse. confident that Matisse would be on the team. You know, the positional versatility also applies to the all defense team. So if you want, you can have your Clint Capella at second team center with Joel Embiid playing the forward spot. Emily, what do you think? Is it more likely the Sixers get one or three players on the all-defense team? I say three, just like Dan said. I really think that uh, we see Joel, Ben, and Matisse on the team. And I think that they're going to – it's kind of like a consolation prize for not having a Joel MVP, potentially not having a Joel first-team all-NBA. They're like, oh, we'll throw him and Matisse on the all-defense team. He should just get it all. Right. Um, the uh, yeah, I mean it. It really would be deserving. The Sixers have, I think, the second best defense in the league. I heard today Ramona Shelburne of ESPN did this big piece on Embiid, where there was a audio version, there was a video version, and there's also the written version. And she shared in there that and when Embiid and Simmons are on the court, they have the best defense and the second best offense in the league. And the offense part of that surprises me. Dan, did you know that? And does that? jive with the eye test so i didn't know that um i honestly am always a little bit confused when people make claims like that um because um for example right like i don't know how they're how they're doing it so like say you know when mb's on the court right people will say you know oh the sixers have the best defense you know their defensive rating is better than any entire team in the league when mb's on the court mm-hmm. the offensive rating is second right maybe they're only behind brooklyn um, but that's not really how any other team is measured, which is why I always find it a little confusing, right? Like no other, if you, if you go by every other team, like, you know, their offensive rating when their best players on the floor is going to be higher than, you know, when they have their bench units in, mm-hmm. so I always find that kind of claim to be a little bit confusing. Um, but it doesn't like surprise me, especially if it's in that context that like, you know, in the context of the Sixers compared to full teams when Embiid's on the floor um, because he's been great this year. He's been really dominant and they're a huge plus, you know, he plays a lot with Ben and when the two of them are out there together, especially, you know, with all the starters, they're killing teams and that's backed up right. by the, by the, you know, on off numbers. So I don't think it's super surprising. And I think that, you know, the bigger issue is that they have some, clunky rotations and, and weird lineups when they get into the bench, which has been basically the only knock on Doc all season. Yeah. So I mentioned this article about Joel today, and it's great. It, there's so much in there and sort of about his whole career arc. You know, when he got hurt this year, he thought it was over. Um, Emily, do you have a favorite part of this article that you'd like to highlight? We'll obviously want to send everybody to go read that, which is great. It's on ESPN. Um, yeah, Emily, what stood out to you most from reading this article? Um, so I just want to say that I've been waiting for 40 minutes to talk about this article. <laughs> I've consumed it in all three forms, video, Reddit, and listen to ESPN Daily. Um, 
it's everything I ever wanted. And Joel is a gem of a human and he can never leave us. But I think right. the thing that two, one thing I want to highlight because it makes me sound smart. So, and I think you guys are going to highlight my other favorite part. Um, there's a part in the, in the article where doc says like, I think it was doc that Joel has to lead the team. And if he comes into into training camp in shape like everyone else has to fall in line like he's the leader right and I think that like I said it makes me sound smart because I think I said that on last week's podcast that Joel was leading by example so I I'm basically qualified to coach the Sixers and write for ESPN yeah so we're we're at that point now um (laughs) but so, so I thought that was cool and like just that he's taken up that leadership mantle and he's he's doing what he's supposed to do with it and taking, you know, his job really seriously. And he wants to be great for his team and for the city and for his son. And I love him so much. Yeah. Um, I wanted to read what I think probably Dan and I would have highlighted, which was uh, there's a story told that exactly when Joel fell and hurt his knee, uh, his son who had been asleep, Arthur, uh, reacted in his own way. Back home in Philadelphia, Embiid's six-month-old son, Arthur, woke up from a deep sleep around the same time his dad hit the ground in agony. Arthur sleeps through the night every night, says his mother, Annie DePaula, but he woke up crying hysterically, almost like he had a nightmare. She'd been watching the game upstairs, cringing as the man she loved lay on the court in pain when she heard Arthur crying on a monitor. They're like best friends when Arthur sees him there is no one else in the room. It's the most beautiful thing ever. It almost feels like with their connection, Arthur sensed something was going on. Dan, do you have this ability with your father? <laughs> I I don't think so. Um, he he's never on TV though, so I guess that's our- true. Well, how would you know then? Yeah. Um, Emily, uh, pretty amazing story there, and I believe. Uh, you know, Joel said, you know, this injury didn't turn out to be as bad as uh, as what he had feared. And you really start to think about the team of destiny stuff. Uh, where are you at with that? Yeah, I said that out loud today. And Jordy told me to stop it and not to jinx it. So I'm not <laughs> going to say it out loud. He said, oh, no, you might have ruined everything. Oh, but no. <laughs> um, something else that in the audio in the ESPN Daily version, which you're kind of a alluding to is Ramona says like you know every time you watch that video of his injury like you think that his his knee is just like shattered like all the ligaments are just like shredded and she was like something else was like holding him together that night and I was like that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life (laughs) I like I started to get teary-eyed I just and there's a picture of Joel and Arthur which on what I assume is like Christmas morning or when they celebrated Christmas in like matching jammies it's so cute. Oh, yeah. I love him. It's really great. Dan, what do you think? Team of Destiny? You know, I I hope so. Uh, it's like hearing that definitely, you know, it's hard, you know, with just the, how last season was so frustrating and, and how good some of these other teams look to, to go all in and, and to do, really do that to myself after, you know, Toronto and everything. But th- listening to that, listening to Joel talk about, you know, how he feels that way and how bad he wants it definitely has me ready to go all in again and, and possibly get my, you know, get really upset again. And it's fine. It's fine. 
<laughs> yeah, I think uh, over the next week or so, we'll be, uh, we'll be just about all in. Um, so that will just about do it for us, unless you guys have anything else. Uh, the next time we'll be with you will be after the season ends. The Sixers play Sunday at 7, and then we will do a podcast right after and get that out there. Um, this is the final three games. The Sixers need to win one of them, and they'll be the first seed. And uh, we'll be very excited to, uh, to, uh, to celebrate that. Um, do you guys have anything else before we get out of here? Give Dwight Howard some appreciation. Come on. Love Dwight. Love Dwight. For every, Emily? That's, that's to everyone. <laughs> I don't have anything else. Uh, the only last thing I'll say is to Charlie Goud, God in the uh, chat. I'm so sorry we couldn't get to your speaker request in time. We just frankly ran out of time, but you seem like a really fun hang, and we'll see if we can do it next time. Um, good talking to you guys. Uh, we'll talk again on Sunday. Thank you guys for listening. See ya. Bye.